Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are If you have your Bibles, go ahead and take it out. We're going to open up to Luke chapter 17. If you could do that with me, Luke chapter 17. And um, we're going to get into a passage that actually kicked off, or when we kicked off on Wednesday, our time of prayer and fasting, our fast of gratitude. I opened up at our 12 o'clock prayer gathering, I opened up with this passage But as I knew that that was going to happen throughout the week, this passage didn't leave my heart. And I wanted to kind of just go deeper than what I did at 12 o'clock, obviously, uh, with this passage. So open up to Luke chapter 17, and we're going to start there in a moment in verse 11, but just give me a moment. Um, I think this message is going to hopefully encourage you and move you to the place of gratitude. To the place of, wow, I do have a lot to be thankful for. In this story that I wanted to share with you, it's, a, it's, it's there in Luke, in the Gospel of Luke. But as we read this, I want you to understand this, that if we were living in this time, or if we were deeply embedded in this culture, I want us to put ourselves in this Bible, in this passage, in this story. And if we were embedded in the culture, if we were living in this time this would be a concerning story to experience. Or if I were to tell you the story, kind of like I am today, it would be a concerning story to hear. It's a very concerning story. The only way is unless if Jesus, as Messiah, if he had been revealed to you, Then, if Christ as Messiah, Jesus as Messiah was revealed to you, then this wouldn't be a concerning story. This would actually be an astonishing story to hear. One in which you would marvel in. And for us today, for us today, it is astonishing. It is astonishing. We receive this word. Some of you are looking at me. I know, I know what you're thinking. How about that? Talked about the kids, but how about that? No, I love that too. It's all good. All right, here we go. For us today, it is astonishing. This story, we receive it even now. We're entering, we're getting ready to enter 2024. And even now, with great amazement, we receive this story. With deep wonder. All right, let's get into this. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Go ahead and and prepare yourselves. I want to read this to you just so you could know the story. Once I read it, you're like, oh yeah, I've heard this story. Here it is. On the way to Jerusalem, verse 11, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And he entered a village and he was met there by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Another translation says, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
Verse 14, when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. When one of them, how many were there? Let's see if you're paying attention to the story. All right, all right. When one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back. Can everyone say turn back? He turned back praising God with a loud voice. I like that. I encourage you to feel free to praise God every once in a while with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. I love this. This is actually my favorite part of this whole passage. This part right here. Ready? Now, he was a Samaritan. So weird that that statement is just thrown there. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Verse 18, was no one found to return? I asked you all to say, turn back. Were no one, none of the other nine, were they found able to return and to give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Beautiful, beautiful passage, right? Beautiful passage. You've read this passage before? You've heard this passage before? I'm sure maybe most of you, if you haven't, awesome day to hear it. Before we get into this, there's a story that is told. Uh, a story that is told about a man who was lost in the woods. That's actually one of the worst places that you could be lost in. That and in the ocean are the two worst places you could be lost in. It's not good to be lost in the ocean. Not good to be lost in the woods. As he was lost in the woods, he begins to describe in conversation this experience of his. He says that he was so frightened, he was so scared, he was terrified for his life that it led the terror, it led him to fall to his knees and to begin to pray. Someone listening to him sharing the story asked and said, did God answer your prayer? The man looks at him and says, oh no. Before God had a chance, a guide came along and showed me the way out. I want you to think about that for a moment. Didn't even consider that his terror that led him to kneel down and pray brought the guide to guide him out of the forest, out of the woods. If you see my notes, you'll see that I'm not lying. My exact response to the story is in my notes, what a man. What a person. Like that man, many people are blind to the many blessings that God showers on them daily. You know that? God does things today. God, thinks, God did things yesterday. That's why we're doing this prayer and fasting of 15 days so that we don't move so fast that we could stop and recognize, wait a minute, there's a lot that I could be thankful for. I am so blessed if I look closely. God is listening to my prayers. God is answering my prayers. God is present in my storm. There's a lot that I could be grateful for. So like this man, I can't speak so ill about him because many of us fall in this category that maybe we could lose out and miss out on the blessings of God. As we get back to the story of Luke, this story in Luke 17 
It's mentioned quickly, you know, when you read the Gospel of Luke and you're reading through verse chapters 15 and then you get to 16 and then you get to 17 and then it's like, oh, Jesus went to Samaria on the way to Jerusalem and some 10 lepers and one came back and, he, and it's like, whoa, 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 and then it jumps to like another thing. And, and it, it, it moves so quickly, it's sandwiched in this chapter of Luke, but it is of great importance though. I really believe that this story is of great importance. One in which will remind us not to be blind, like the man in that story that was in the woods. But to see God's great blessing in our lives. We're getting ready. We are, do you guys know this? We are in November already. It's insane that we were in November. I just felt like it was summer. Didn't it feel like it was summer? By the way, aren't the Miami days just beautiful lately? My gosh. The wind, the coolness of the air. You could go outside. You could wear a suit now. I almost, I'm going to wear a suit on a Sunday. It's very soon. <laughs> You'll see. You're going to be like, why is he wearing suits now? The, I mean, the weather is amazing. I mean, in here, you need a sweater. Or you need mittens and a scarf and a sweater. But well, you know what I mean. But there's great blessings in our lives that we could look at, which should cause us to respond to it. How many of you have been blessed by God? How many of you are being blessed by God? then there should be a response. There should be something that we're doing because of the blessing of God. Oh, because I'm blessed, I have to do this. I need to do this. I want to do this. It brings joy to do this because I'm blessed. The only way that happens is if a, if a heart is moved with gratitude. If a heart is filled with thanksgiving, then it does what maybe many others won't do. In this story, did you catch what the man did? With a loud voice, he began to praise God. With intensity, he ran back and he fell at the feet of Jesus. Why would he do such a thing? Because he was blessed. And all he could do is, his heart was filled with gratitude. So what did he do with the thanksgiving and the gratitude that was found in his heart? I have to bring it back to the feet of Jesus. I have to respond. I pray that we would be a church that is responding to the blessings of God. If you've been blessed and you have an extra $10, respond. Give to the newborn fund. You're going to give them a heart-warm meal. Things like that. Respond because of your blessing. You see someone in the saddest street, you're blessed. You see them downcasted, pull over. I want to talk to you about the good news of Jesus. Like be, be a blessing because you're blessed. Amen? All right, verse 11. We see Jesus in verse 11. In our story, he's in route. Where is he headed towards? In verse 11. He's headed to Jerusalem. He's on his way to Jerusalem, which will eventually end in his crucifixion on Mount Golgotha. He'll meet his cross there. But on the way to Jerusalem, it tells us in verse 11, we're going to go verse by verse. Listen to this. It tells us in verse 11 that he was passing as he was passing, he passed along between, now listen to where he passed. He passed between Samaria and Galilee. Hopefully your Bible says that. He's passing through Samaria. If you study his route, you'll notice that he didn't take a direct route. We're going to look at this in a moment. Instead of a straight path of sort, what Jesus does is, he decides to do like a circle. 
He decides to do a detour to a different area. And, and, and as he takes this detour, this is not the only thing that happens in this area, but it is the one that I want to focus on today. You see, when you read the story and you look at the journey that Jesus took, you'll soon come to realize that around Galilee and cutting through the Jordan would have been a safe bet for Jesus, for his 12 disciples, and for the other followers that were with him. But Jesus doesn't take the safe route. He doesn't take the most direct route. As you, as you read Luke chapter 17 and you stop and you, you, you just close your Bible and you say, why did Jesus pass along Samaria and Galilee? Why didn't he just go through the edge of the Jordan, cut through the Jordan, and end up in Jerusalem? Why would he take a detour? Why didn't he take the safest and most quickest route? The safe bet for him and for those that were following him, why would he put others in a longer journey? I want you to know something, and if you're taking notes anywhere, I think you should take notes on a Sunday morning at church. And you should write this down for yourself because you're going to need it probably during the week. You're going to need it at some time at the end of the year. You're going to need it at some time next year. Here it is. Ready? Jesus doesn't always choose what is safer. He doesn't. You've ever prayed to God, God, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. It doesn't happen the way you wanted it. You are praying the safer route. Jesus doesn't always pray what... Jesus doesn't always take the safe route. Jesus, write this down, always chooses the right route. The right route. He will always choose what is right. The Father's will... What was right and what was for him to pass between was to touch the region of Samaria. I am sure that if Jesus had a powwow meeting before this journey and says, disciples, get around the campfire. We're going to talk a little bit. And they say, what is it now? We're going to head to Jerusalem. Hooray. We're going to go through Galilee, around the Jordan, cut through and hit to Jerusalem. He says, nah, we're going to do a little hook. I want you to show the map for a moment. We're going to watch and we're going to look at this map a lot throughout today's message. Now we're going to take a little detour. We're not going to cut through and we're going to end into the Samaria area. Just, that's what we're going to do. I'm sure that in that conversation, I don't know, I would put, oh, if I'm a betting man, I would put all my money on Peter. Peter would probably say something like, well, Jesus, don't you think it's a better route if we take this route? I'm sure that there were discussions of which way we should go. But Jesus says, follow me. We're going to go somewhere before we head to Jerusalem. And, and you see that in this map, the purple obviously is his pathway, is his journey to get to Jerusalem. And you see the area of Samaria that he's going to hit up first. And that's what he needed to do. You're like, well, that's not the safest. That's not the most direct. That's not the way that I should have done it. Isn't it interesting that Scripture does remind us in the Old Testament through the prophet that our ways are not his ways, that his ways are higher than ours? Aren't his ways greater than ours? And you're like, yeah, but my way's faster than... No, it's not. Sometimes the fastest route is the most dangerous route. So he has to detour and he has to do things a different, a different way than what you wanted. Thank you for your prayer life. But in your prayer life, he doesn't need your advice. In your prayer life, he just needs his glory. 
And he's like, I got this. Watch where I'm going to go. Watch how I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. Yeah, where are we going to go first? Samaria. What? Samaria? We don't go there. Yeah, today we are. This journey we are. I want you to look at this map. I love this map. Do you like the map? It's easy. I found it online. Print it out, put it on your wall, and say, that map is my life. That map is my life. I love this map. I love this map because it speaks a great reminder to me. I love this map because it fills me with great gratitude. I want to spend the whole morning today telling you why I love this map. Well, first off, you mentioned Samaria. Why are you speaking so bad about them? What's wrong with Samaria? Well, you have to know that in Samaria, you got a bunch of Samaritans living there. <laughs> Pastor Rigo, are you speaking bad about people? Are you speaking down? No, I'm just letting you know that it's like when I talk about you Hialeans, you know? <laughs> in Hialeah, you got a bunch of Hialeans. It's, it's okay. We love you. We love Hialeans. Most of you are like, I'm not from Hialeah. Yeah, you are. You're from Hialeah. I'm from the upper Miami Lakes area. What's up with these Samaritans? Well, really quick, I don't have the... There's a lot. It's a, it's, it's a long history. I don't have time to break down all of it, but you could study it on your own. I, I, I recommend you to do that. But the Jews, the Jews disliked Samaritans highly. They highly disliked them. Well, for many reasons and for many things that happened in their history, but we know that they disliked them because they would combine their religious beliefs. And the Jews didn't like that. It was pagan to the Jews. And they didn't like how the Samaritans combined their religion beliefs. Another reason why the Jews didn't like Samaritans was because of their mixed racial heritage. How come these Jews and these Samaritans are mixing and then creating these children that are a mixed breed? Us Jews, we stick together. The Jews dislike these Samaritans for many reasons. And there's so much more on the Samaritans and to the Jews as well. But I want you to get the heart of this. For a Jew like Jesus, and for his Jewish followers like his disciples, it's concerning, it's alarming that he would take a route <laughs> that intersects with Samaria. I'm wondering when Jesus was walking ahead, if they stood in the back of the line as he was walking, says, do you think he knows what he's doing? And maybe there was a disciple that was full of faith and says, did he not already raise Lazarus from the dead? Did he not already make the dead girl rise? Did he not, like, you know, like reminding them of some of the miracles. (laughs) Okay, okay, I'll get back in line. I'll, I'll take the journey. Seriously, because if you've ever walked along, if you've ever walked this walk, and if you've ever been carried in this faith with Christ, have you not walked sometimes and said the same things about your God? God, are you even listening to me? 
God, do you not see what, what are some of the things you ask or say? God, do you not see what I'm going through? God, are you not listening to me? God, are you ever going to change her? God, are you ever going to change him? God, is this ever going to happen? Like, we, and God's like, did you forget the memorial stones that we've placed on the ground to show you the things that I've done already? I mean, we're not so far from these followers. And it's concerning, though, and it's alarming to them that they would take the route that would lead to Samaria. I want you to think about this. It's not the first time. You know, the Samaritan woman was a very big deal. Remember when they went and they saw Jesus speaking to the Samaritan woman? It says, what are you doing speaking to that woman? She's a Samaritan. We Jews don't keep up to date with those, women, with those people. What are you doing talking to her? In this passage, the Samaritan woman, if you study that passage, I love it. In the scripture, this is what it says about the Samaritan woman. It says that Jesus needed to pass by Samaria. Have you ever read in scripture when it talks about the woman at the well and it says that Jesus needed to go there? We also see the parable of the good Samaritans are mentioned in the Bible. The parable of the good Samaritan. Do you remember the man that was beaten up, left to die on the side of the road, and the Levite came and left him for dead, walked, walked along uh, across from him or over him? Then the, uh, um, uh, who's the other, religious, the other religious leader? Forgive me. He walked along the other side too and says, I'm not going to do. And then a Samaritan, an enemy, One that is despised sees the man broken, beaten, and he takes him and cares for him. A good Samaritan. That's where we get that. Be a good Samaritan. And we have things called Samaritan's Purse. Based off this Samaritan, there are passages and stories in Scripture that reveal God's purpose and God's plan to offer salvation to anyone who would come to believe it's not just to remain with one people group. So what does Jesus do? He says, I'm going to pass by and hit up some Samarians. And you're like, no, 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 stick to the Jews. And, and Jesus is going to quickly show them, no, no, salvation, healing, deliverance, restoration, all of this, it's beyond just the Jewish people. It's for all who would come to believe. So Jesus was going to do the unthinkable. Ready? He was going to do the unthinkable. Verse 12 He was going to a region of Samaria. Let's keep reading. Verse 12. And he entered a village. He entered a village in Samaria. And he was met by ten lepers. So we're not just talking about Samaritans. We're also now talking about lepers. Well, what's so bad about lepers? Okay. And these lepers stood at a distance. One translation says, like I told you already, afar off. Well, here's the big deal about lepers. We see some, some stuff about lepers and some rules, some laws about lepers all the way from the Old Testament. In Leviticus chapter 13, verse 46, look at the scripture speaking about the leprous people or those that have leprosy. It says this. It says, he shall be unclean all the days that he has sore, he shall be unclean. So if there's a leper, they're unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Luke, uh, Leviticus 13 tells us why in Luke 17 there were lepers outside of the village. Because they kicked them out because they had leprosy. And you're not allowed to be a leper and be along the people. It's almost like saying today we have church. Welcome. You're all sitting so closely to one another. But what about if there was a leper in the room? 
We'd have to scatter. They're unclean. If there was a leper in this room in Jesus' day, there would be someone here, an official, one of the high big guys here, you know, would grab that leper and say, not even grab them, maybe with a, a long stick, poke them and say, go outside. You're not allowed in the gathering. Lepers weren't allowed, and Jesus is going into a village, and outside of the village, afar off at a distance, the lepers are standing there. Leviticus 13 tells us why. Numbers 5.2 says this, Command the children of Israel, Old Testament, that they put out of the camp every leper, everyone who has a discharge, and whoever becomes defiled by a corpse. Hey, there are some rules If you fall under one of these categories, take them outside. Guys, how about if there's a leper today here? What would we do? Can I tell you something? I am 100% sure that there are more than one lepers in this room today. I am 100% sure. There is more than one leper today that showed up to this gathering. And God, as of right now, has not kicked anyone out. You're probably sitting like, who's the leper? (laughs) I already saw some of you texting, do you know who it is? Some of you nudge the person next to you, it's not you, right? Who's the leper? How about if I tell you? I'll, I'll be happy to say it starts with me. I'm the leper in this room. I'm the leper. These lepers were unclean, they were outcasts. They are to have no relationship with. They are not to be touched. They are not to be recognized. They are to be alone, as the Old Testament tells us, as we see it perfectly written and experienced in Luke 17. They are to be outside the camp. What does that show you and I? It shows us that they've lost all identity. All all of their identity is in their leprosy, is in their loneliness. They've lost all identity, all human recognition. You are as worse as an animal. You, you, you are like an animal even worse. Nowadays, we let our dogs sleep on our beds with us. But not a leper. The dog could come in my bed. But the leper needs to go outside in the doghouse. You guys see what I'm saying? They're treated like animals, possibly worse. They're excommunicated, excommunicated from all normality of human life. And you may be here saying, and you get it, you're wise people, you're theological sounded. Oh my God, you must go to a great church. You might be asking, though, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about the leper? What's that to do with us? Pastor Rico, how are you the first leper? Leprosy disease that ate away at a person's flesh. And spiritually speaking, leprosy represents sin. We see it in scripture as leprosy 
Sin described as leprosy and how it eats away. Leprosy would eat away your flesh, flesh until you were just a corpse there. A horrible way to die in those days. And leprosy, still today, it's a horrible way to die. You know what's a horrible way to die? Sin eating away at your life. It is the worst way that a human being could die in 2023 going to 2024. It's that the sin, the leprosy of sin eats away at someone's life till the day they die. It's a horrible way to live. The leper was separated, was separated from people and was forced to live alone. He was an outcast. Can I tell you something? That sin does the same thing to us. When sin begins to creep up, when we begin to open up the doors of sin, have you noticed? I've been pastoring and I've been doing life and I've been a Christian long enough to see the signs. It's the same, same, same signs. What happens is to an individual is they immediately start becoming isolated and they blame everyone and they could poke the eyes, but they don't see the very sin that is eating away at them that now catches them and causes them to be isolated. Sin isolates you. It separates you from God's people. I don't like them anymore. He's a hypocrite and she's a jerk and they're not real Christians. And then we call our best friend who, who we invited to the house of God in the first place. And we tell them what a hypocrite they are. And, and, they, and then they like, you're right, they are. It was my birthday and the pastor didn't even call me and the Worship leader didn't even visit me. And we do all these things. I mean, we're human. We're lepers. I've done that. Spoken bad about some people. Then I go to my bed and I'm like, oh my God, I can't do that. I'm going to be with Eli for all eternity. <laughs> can't talk bad about Eli anymore. gotta love my brother I have sin in my life Eli so I decided because of the speck in my eye I mean the plank in my eye I decided to pick at the speck in yours you guys feel me am I just talking to myself sorry I just I'm just in my feelings over here I'm sorry I'm just in my feelings you know I'm just in my feelings but you know it separates me. And now I start looking at Eli different. Eli doesn't really care me, care for me. I don't know if he does actually. Do you care? For me? I love Eli. I love Eli. I was going to mess with you and say a little bit, but I love him. He's my brother. You know what sin does? It doesn't just separate me from you guys. Sin separates me from God. Sin separates me from what God has for me. Come on, show the map again. I am this map. You are this map. We are this map. And we're there. And we have leprosy and separates us. We're outcast. This map speaks a great truth to us. Listen to this. Jesus didn't take the route that was most reasonable. Look at that map. The one that made the most sense. He didn't take a direct route to what is easy, what was easy. He didn't choose the safest or the quickest way to get the job done. This route, this story, 
this encounter of Jesus and the ten lepers shows that he would take the more difficult, unpopular, unconventional path to reach you and I. To reach us. What do you mean? I still don't get it. I hope you're getting this. Meaning that, that this is what he's always done. He did it then and he still does it. To live, he must first die, he begins to say. That he would wear the cross before he would ever wear his crown. That he would take the grave before he would ever take on his throne. This has always been the path of Jesus. And verse 12 tells us that Jesus was entering a village and the lepers were outside the village standing afar off. They were standing at a distance. I opened or I closed, I don't know, worship and I said, Jesus, God says, Adam, where are you? Church, where are you? I ask you this question like the lepers in verse 12. Are you standing at a distance today? Are you afar off today? It's a great story for me to hear and to read. Am I afar off? I have to reflect. I have to examine my heart, my life. Am I at a distance crying out to God? And verse 13, here is the message, ready? They lifted up their voices and they began to say, because they were afar off, because they were at a distance, they began to say, can everyone at the count of three say the words with me? One, two, three. Jesus. Oh, it's not on the screen. No wonder. <laughs> you don't know your scripture by memory. I mean, I have it, I have it typed out. Shame on you. It's right, it's right here on my screen. One, two, three, ready? Jesus, master. Have mercy on us. Go back to the map. Jesus takes a route that is not popular and would not be advised. And when he gets there, there's a group of ten lepers and they're saying, Jesus, have mercy on us. Today's message is titled, Have Mercy on Us. Have mercy on us. When I read that, all I could write down was this. What a cry of desperation. What a cry of recognition. What a cry of humility. And what a cry for hope. What a cry for salvation. Jesus. Master. (laughs) I recognize who you are, what you're capable of. Now here's the problem. Have mercy on me. At some point, we have all shared this same cry. We've all been here like the lepers. And that's why I said I'm the first leper. Where we've had to say to God, Jesus, have mercy on me. Ever been there? I was a leper. I was a leprous man, diseased, and it was eating all my flesh. It was eating away at my life. My leprosy separated me from God. I was all alone. But then inside of me came a cry, and the cry was, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Verse 14, it says, when he saw them, I love that verse. What did verse 14 start with? You guys are scared to answer. It's on the screen. What does it start with? Go back to the map. 
Verse 14 says what? See if you know it now, but memory. Let's see if you're right. Go back to the verse. Verse 14 says, when he saw them, go back to the map. So you mean to tell me, seriously. <laughs> you mean to tell me that verse 14 is the first time he saw them? Is the map up? Look at the map. When did he see them? When did he see them? When did he see them? He saw them all the way in Capernaum. In Capernaum, he had a powwow. And he says, guys, I got to get together. We're going to go to Jerusalem. My time's almost up. He said, cool, let's go. I don't know what you mean by it because, you know, they still didn't know what he was trying to talk about. Yeah, we'll take the journey with you, of course. Everywhere you go, I'll go. And we're going to stop at Samaria. Samaria, you're crazy. Said, Can you imagine if Jesus was up front on that powwow day in Capernaum? We have to go to Samaria. Why would you want to go to Samaria? Because I see 10 men there. 10 men. 10 men, and they're crying out, and I need to go answer their cry. <laughs> now, that takes days to get there. He didn't take a four-wheeler, those guys, and get over there the next hour. He took a journey. He took a journey to get to those lepers. You know what verse 14 tells me? And when he saw them, Verse 14 is highlighting what had already happened. It wasn't a present moment. He had already seen them. But in that moment, they see him. And when they make contact with each other, Jesus already knows what's going on. First off, it's not hard to tell they're lepers. Their skin's falling off. They probably smell. And they're probably bandaged up. So as Jesus is walking, he sees the group together, and he's like, well, it doesn't take a, a psychic, it doesn't take a brilliant person to know that it's a cluster of them, so they're outcasted, they're not allowed in the city, they have bandages on them, they smell, and they look like corpses, they're lepers. And all they say is, Jesus, Master, have mercy. And Jesus' reply in verse 14 says, go. <laughs> go and show yourself to the priest and then it says, and as they went, they were cleansed. I love that Jesus' words have the power to heal. There's people that say you got to lock yourself in a room, put three pieces of leaves on you, then throw some coconut oil, then do a little shake and a little dance, and then maybe you get healed. And the Bible says, no, that his very own word has the power to heal you from the deepest places of your sin. All he tells them is Go. Go and do what? Just show yourself to the priest. And then what? Just see when you're on the way. And they all the ten look at each other and say, do we do it? What else are we going to do? We might as well go. And they start their journey. And as they start their journey, you can see the bandages start to fall off. And their skin comes back. And their order disappears. And one of them looks at the other one and says, dude, your ear's not falling off. And the other guy says, Dude, your arm doesn't have the sores anymore. And, and we all start looking at each other and we all start recognizing we're all healed. We're all restored. We're all okay. Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. One commentary reads, it was remarkable. 
It was remarkable that Jesus asked them to go to the priest while they were still lepers. Because if you say lepers, go to the priest, they're like, we can't. The very priests are the ones that are abiding by this law and will kick us out. How can I show myself to the priest? How can I do that? It's interesting. It's remarkable that that's what he asks them to do. Why would he do this? Because this was truly stepping out in faith. As in putting on the new man, even, even when we still look and we still feel like the old man. I feel like the leper and I look like the leper, but I'm going to take a step of faith and know that I'm a new man in the word that he just spoke to me. And he's calling them to a moment of faith. One theologian says this. He says, the one condition of healing was obedience. Ordered. Ordered they must obey. If he was master as they had cried he was, then let them prove their faith by their obedience. Remember their cry? Jesus, master, have mercy on us. And what was his response? Go and show yourself to the priest. If those ten men would have said, no, we're not doing that, that means that their cry was false. They didn't believe that Jesus was master and that could have mercy on them. But they now had to take a step into the declaration that they made. Am I really Jesus? Am I really master? Am I the one that really has mercy on you? Let's see if you could take a step of faith. So they only had one thing to do. He didn't tell them to go to the supermarket. He didn't tell them to go to the pharmacist. He just said, will you still go even though you hear it and it doesn't make sense because you believe in the word that I just spoke to you and in the person of who I am. So they went. And as they went, they were all healed. Let's go to verse 15. How many lepers were crying out? Verse 15. Then one. How many lepers were crying out? Then one. When did Jesus see them? Show the map. Oh. Jesus, Master. And when he saw them. How many lepers? Ten. Verse 15, then one. Then one. You know the Bible says something crazy, crazy. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But the Bible says he leaves the 99 for that one. For that one. Then one. What will happen to this one? Then one, when he saw that he was healed... He turned back, praised God with a loud voice. He fell on his face. I would say the most humble position that a man, a woman can take is falling on your face. 
At the feet of Jesus, at the most humblest position, is the very feet of the one that you fall to. Because of the feet and the culture and what it meant in this day. And they began to give him thanks. Just one. Just one. Ready for this? Now he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, where there are not ten, where are the other nine? All ten were willing to do a religious ceremony. And that is, let's go to the priest. But only one, with true praise and thanksgiving, turned back. I will quote him yet again on another Sunday. Charles Spurgeon says, external religious exercises are easy enough and common enough, but the internal matter, the drawing out of the heart in thankful love, how scarce a thing it is. Nine obey ritual where only one praises the Lord. Out of ten lepers, most probably, this group we know as we study the area and scripture, this was a group of a mixed group of Jews and Samaritans. But from the whole group, one turns back. One, one comes. I should name this message just one, actually. Just one comes back to praise God with a loud voice. One, one fell on his face at Jesus' feet. How many? One, one gave him thanks. One, now one. And he was a Samaritan. As if it wasn't enough that he wasn't a leper, that he was a leper. Oh my God, scripture already calls me a leper. Now you're going to call me a Samaritan? Like if that wasn't enough. But now he comes to a place where he's healed. But as he's healed, he remains a what? He's no longer a leper, but he's still a Samaritan. He heals the leprosy as he does, forgives the sinner. He heals our leprosy. But the man has to come to grip that though my leprosy is healed, come on, church, that though our sin has been forgiven, the man had to come to grip that I am still a Samaritan. <laughs> and this Jew, think about the Samaritan, one. This Jew who must be the Messiah, who just healed me from my leprosy, who just shattered the flow of culture, who just broke the barrier and has done the unthinkable, has touched the unclean. See, in Christ's heart, church, there is no racism, there is no prejudice. The man remains a Samaritan, but no longer a leper. And in God's family, there are all colors, all cultures, all nationalities, because none of that separates us from each other, and none of that separates us from God. Only the leprous sin in our hearts, it's what separates us from Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation, healing, deliverance, victory, it's for all mankind now. Now he was a Samaritan. Hey, put the map back on. This map means a lot to me. You know why? Because I am a Samaritan. I am a leper. I am a Gentile sinner. Me, speaking up here to a bunch of amazing people 
I am a Gentile. I am not a Jew. I am, I believe, 100% Cuban slash American. That's me. That's me. That's who I am. Nothing about me should have been born into the family of God. Nothing about me should have received forgiveness. Nothing about me should have received this grace. Nothing about me should have received this salvation. I am nothing and I am no one. But Jesus decided because he saw me, he decided to take a route that was not popular, that was not common because he saw one, one whom he loved. And I am so grateful for that. This map is my life. It's my life. I need to get this map and just put it up and say, what and why do you have this map up? Because that map is me. He saw me. And he decided to leave his glory to take the path to the cross. How weird is that? How strange. What king would strip his glory to hang naked as a criminal on the cross for one leprous Samaritan. Our king. Our king. That's why we're, we're against... Jesus, Master, have mercy. He doesn't take the route that others would take. He doesn't take the route that others would take. He takes the route that only he is able to take, only him, in order to get to you. To touch what's unclean, Jesus, Master, have mercy. Ten were healed. One turns back. Beloved brother, sister, here it is. Has your life done a turn back? If it hasn't, today is the day that you come with a loud voice and you come to his feet and you give him all the thanksgiving that you could give him. Amen? When he saw that he was healed... One, one Samaritan turned back. One leper who is now healed turns back, praises God with a loud voice, giving him thanks. Matthew Henry writes about a time that he was once robbed. He's a famous Bible commentator. If you've never read his Bible commentary, I highly recommend that you look into Matthew Henry. And it's a reminder that we could always find reason for gratitude before God. Amen? Matthew Henry was robbed of his wallet once. And he wrote in his diary that night, the night that he was robbed, he wrote about everything he was thankful for. He says, first, that he had never been robbed before. Second, 
that though they took my wallet, they didn't take my life. Third, because even though they took it all, it wasn't very much. He wrote this true story in his diary. And finally, because he was the one that was robbed, thank you, Lord, for I am the one being robbed and not the one doing the robbing. Closes his diary. Can you imagine having a heart of gratitude like that? Church, has your life done a turn back? It says he fell on his face and gave him thanks. And Jesus says, was no one else found to return except this foreigner? He says that for you and I today. Jesus is not speaking down to him. Look what he tells him in verse 19, and we're done. He says, rise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Was the man not healed from leprosy already? He was. He was healed from leprosy. But now Jesus says, your faith has made you well. Do you see that there was an extra in the Lord? There's an extra healing for this 10th leper. When Jesus said this, he was talking about God's work in the man's heart. The other lepers had whole bodies made whole. But they all continued to walk away from God with sick hearts. But this one leper comes back, has a whole body, but now has a clean heart. Jesus forgiving you of your sin is not the only thing that happens in your salvation. But now it's Jesus making you well. Making you well. The others only got an outward cure. And he alone, one, got a spiritual blessing. Show the map as we close. See the map? That's you. That's me. And all I can say is thank you, Lord for taking the route that, had direct, that led directly to me, this leprous sinner. Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. Church, our response is to turn back, praise God, fall at his feet on our face, why not, and give him thanks. Can you stand with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for such a beautiful day like today. The weather is beautiful. I don't know the school or the game. I know my brothers here do. 
I don't know the score. But I know the score in my life. And I thank you because I've won. Because you've won. You saw me even when I was at a distance. You saw me when I was far off. And you heard my cry. Lord, Master, have mercy on me. I thank you. So my response, our response, is to come to your feet with a loud voice, with boldness, and give you thanks for saving a bunch of lepers like us. Leprous Gentiles who are now called sons of God who can now cry out, Abba, Father. We truly thank you in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Isn't there a lot to be thankful for, church? I hope to see you tomorrow at 12 on Zoom. If not, I hope to see you here at 7.30 Wednesday. God bless you guys. You're that one. You're that one. You are loved. Amen? God bless you.